Digress, the podcast where we read nonfiction books so that you don't have to, unless you want to. I'm Kate. And I'm Molly. And today we're going to do the same type of thing we did last summer, where we did like a roundup of some of our favorite reads from the year. So this one is going to be based on fiction books. I think, unless Kate throws in a nonfiction, but I'm doing fiction. Kate is giving me a face like (laughs) you never know um so it'll just kind of be like a light episode about some of our favorite reads I tried to do like cozy winter reads but I will be honest one of them is very like summer vibes but I'll explain myself don't worry (laughs) sometimes it can be both sometimes it can be a cozy winter read that you'd read on a boat yeah (laughs) It's true that you read on your beach vacation. That's exactly the excuse I was going to give. I was going to be like, sometimes people go to the beach in the winter. (laughs) Thank you for validating that completely nonsensical thought. And we will continue. So Molly, would you like to start us off with your first pick? Yes. So the first one, I'll just go right into the beach read for the winter. (laughs) It's called The Heat Wave by Kate Riordan. When I read fiction, I specifically go to thriller. Yes. Sometimes I'll read, you know, some other type of thing, but almost always it's a thriller. And I specifically love a domestic thriller, which I was like, I said that to my boyfriend a while ago and he was like, what does that even mean? And I was like, I don't know, babe. It's just like a feeling. Okay. It's a vibe. (laughs) It's a vibe. It's for real. It's like relationship based, you know, it's like mm-hmm. husband, wife, th- another woman, nanny, yeah. totally. kids on vacation. Like it's that sort of bullshit. Love you know? triangles, exactly. the dad's having an affair, probably. Yeah. It's like white lotus vibes. Yes. And it's like yeah. money, you know, people have yeah. money in these books. They have Nancy Myers kitchens. And they, some people don't have money and they want the money. You know what I mean? It's all that. Yes. <laughs> intrigue drama (laughs) i do feel like all these terms are made up by the literary industry like my friend was saying that she loves women's lit and i was like what a fascinating term like whoever decided to call i know and also why do we call like what amounts to rom-com books women's Mm. lit like men don't like rom-coms they love rom-coms it is a whatever false falsehood anyway please continue Okay, so this book, I think I said, it's called The Heat Wave. And what I'm going to do is read the, like, dust jacket summary. So Mm -hmm. this is not my words, FYI. But it is very well written. Okay, so this is the dust jacket. It says, Elodie was beautiful. Elodie was smart. Elodie was manipulative. Elodie is dead. And then it says, I know, it's already good. When Sylvie receives a letter calling her back to her crumbling family home in Provence, she knows she has to go. In the middle of a sweltering summer marked by unusual fires across the countryside, she returns to La Reverie with her youngest daughter Emma in tow. In every corner of the house, Sylvie can't escape the specter of Elodie, her first child. 
Elodie with the golden hair. Elodie who knew exactly how to get what she wanted. Elodie, whose death the villagers still whisper about. As the fires creep even closer towards the villa, it's clear to Sylvie that something isn't right at La Reverie, because there's something that Sylvie hasn't admitted about what happened to Elodie ten summers ago. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Just start playing the Jaws theme song. I love the way that is written. Feels very intriguing. I also love a like thriller that involves a homecoming too. That's always fun because then you can pull on all of these ties of the character that you didn't know about as a reader, but obviously existed in their past life or as they were growing up. And it can be like long, complicated relationships. It's so fun. Yeah. And like, past lovers Mm -hmm. that like still live in the town you know that sort of thing i also love when it is set in europe Mm -hmm. or some like very iconic city um it just i love a thriller that's like england london it just is so great but this one is france and it is it was so seductive like every piece of it i could literally feel the heat from the story like it was so well written in this way that made you really feel so immersed in the world. It was incredible. Oh, I love that. Yeah, this actually reminds me of a book I read by Claire Fuller. It's called Bitter Orange and same kind of vibes. I think they're in Europe, but I don't know where. But basically, it's like three people, a wife and husband, and then a third person are all sharing a summer home together for the summer. And it's oh my God, like, I love it. kind of like love triangle vibes, but it's also a little creepy. I don't know. I liked it a lot. It was interesting, but it had that sort of like lazy summer creepy vibe yeah. to it. That is always pretty fun. <laughs> I, that sounds so good. I'm going to look it up. Um, so yes, this has very much like a summer vibe to it, but I feel like for the plane to Mm -hmm. the beach or the like pool that you're going to for your winter vacation, like this one is a winner. And if you can't get away, just put on some sunscreen and get in the bathtub. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. You'll have that, the sensory experience with the sunscreen, use all the hot water, (laughs) steam up the bathroom a lot you know put on a tropical hat um, i had <laughs> seriously yeah. and your sunglasses um <laughs> i was gonna do like a thing where i was like pros and cons for both mm-hmm. of my picks and um for this one i actually don't have any cons like i just thought it was the best kind of read you know like loved every second of it so that's my first. like exactly what you were looking for and you picked it up that's the best it's like having a craving for something and then getting to eat exactly what you wanted to and it's like, oh, yeah. so satisfying. Like, what a pleasure. It was so, so satisfying. It was the kind of book that, like, when it's done, you're just like, oh, I want to be in that yeah, world Yeah, yeah. You immediately feel like you want to reread it. Yeah. Oh, that's so much fun. Okay, I'm I'm making a mental note. What was the name of it again? Um, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think is the bitter orange. You're you no, like, no, it was the perfect the... book. But it will never be found again. <laughs> It's called the, the heat, heat wave. wave. Okay. <laughs>
Okay, well, I am offering unsolicited book recommendations on top of your recommendations. Rain me in, someone. All right, so... Never. (laughs) For my first pick, I would like to nominate... Just kidding, I don't... This isn't an award show. I would just (laughs) like to tell you that I really enjoyed The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. This is not normally the kind of book that I pick up because it's like an adventure fantasy book. I usually do not read fantasy because they always come in like seven book series. They're like 700 pages each. I get a little bit bored and want to move on to something else. But this is the first in a trilogy, so I don't have to read the rest of the books if I don't feel like it. So let me read the Goodreads blurb for this, because I also did not write my own summaries, because who has time? It's December. Uh, So Amina al-Sarafi should be content. After a storied and scandalous career as one of the Indian Ocean's most notorious pirates, she survived backstabbing rogues, vengeful merchant princes, several husbands, and one actual demon to retire peacefully with her family to a life of piety, motherhood, and absolutely nothing that hints of the supernatural. But when she's tracked down by the obscenely wealthy mother of a former crewman, she's offered a job no bandit could refuse. Retrieve her comrade's kidnapped daughter for a kingly sum. The chance to have one last adventure with her crew, do right by an old friend, and win a fortune that will secure her family's future forever, it seems like such an obvious choice that it must be God's will. So, this was kind of like if um, Ocean's Eleven met like a pirate Stop. adventure because oh my god you had me at oceans 11 <laughs> it really like love oceans 11 one of my favorite movies but i'm also just Truly. like such a sucker for a heist movie i love it i yes love it. me too. We're, we're getting the gang back together let's go bitches i'm here for it yeah so let's go girls <laughs> truly <Damn>. <laughs> so yes i absolutely adored the characters one of the things that i really appreciated about it is that it's really funny so oh, yes. amina is the main character she is retelling the story as you're reading it so she's kind of like talking to you and occasionally uh she will like have an aside where she like yells at someone in her crew or disagrees about how something happened, which just really made the retelling feel like a really engaging, interesting, funny way to do it. Um, All of the characters are very distinct and eccentric, which makes it fun. And just the amount of action in this is delightful. So I really loved it. Um, It is a little bit on the longer side. It's like 480 some pages, but I think it's worth it. Oh, that sounds so, so good. It was reminding me a little bit of these books that my sister introduced me to when I was like, I don't know, we were young. Um, but she is like a voracious reader. And there's this author, Tamora Pierce, that has a whole fantasy world that she's built. And she has different like trilogies and things in the world. And they also feel like accessible, like you can... you. You could just read one. Yeah, like you don't feel like you absolutely have to read every one of them for anything to make sense. Yeah. But if you do, they're like not as long as like a lot of fantasy, you know, tomes. And they're all like female protagonists, which is like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And they're so good. There's the first one is about like this girl who pretends to be a boy to like become a knight. 
which mm-hmm. is like such a classic trope, but it is so excellent. And anyway, I am rambling on about my own fake recommendation that wasn't part of this, but it's seems like same, same, same. I think we should just do a recommendation chain where each one of us is like, and that reminds me of another book. And we just keep going for like two it's hours. It's like word association, yeah. but for book reps. <laughs> exactly. I love it. It's perfect. Uh, no notes. Um, so yeah, that, that's my first pick. Uh, really enjoyable. And if you are having some extra time around the holidays, it's definitely something where you can really get sucked in and spend, you know, a couple of days just being in the so world. Good. Okay. I love it. Speaking of the holidays, around this time last year, I'll go into my second pick now. Um, I discovered this new, not new, new to me, author, Ruth Ware. And she has a bunch of different books, which is great because when you find an author you like, you want there to be more. The best. Yeah. yeah. So the the first book I read by her, I actually forget the name. It was like In a Dark, Dark Woods, maybe something like that. It was great. But I read more books by her and I read this one um, at some point this year called The Woman in Cabin 10. And it was like my favorite favorite one by her so far okay. it was just like I I don't know it just kind of had everything that I love in a thriller so I'm gonna read the summary that I had chat GPT write for me (laughs) shout out (laughs) (laughs) okay so the woman in cabin 10 in the woman in cabin 10 travel journalist low blacklock embarks on a luxury cruise ship for a work assignment hoping for a serene and enjoyable experience. However, her journey takes a nightmarish turn when she witnesses what appears to be a woman being thrown overboard. Desperate to uncover the truth, Lo finds herself trapped on the ship, questioning her sanity as she encounters skepticism from the crew and other passengers. As she investigates, she discovers dark secrets and a web of deception that puts her own life at risk. The novel is a gripping and suspenseful tale of paranoia, trust, and the search for the elusive truth. I started laughing because I was like, what does ChatGBT know about a gripping novel? Give me a break. (laughs) But it's true. This is great. What does ChatGPT know about gripping anything? It's (laughs) true. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know, but I'm glad that you pretend to. Anyway, that is the summary. (laughs) That sounds so interesting. It's like a wrong place, wrong time, care like a uh, mystery, which is always fun. Yes, and this author Ruth Ware does a lot of female protagonists, also maybe mm-hmm. only because that's all I've read Good. From her so <laughs> no, far. Yeah, it's like, keep it that way. Um, but it, it's like. Yeah, I think she's really good at the psychological like mm-hmm. suspense mm-hmm. and the like complex histories that people have in real life and how those can re-intersect in at times and create these like very you know unexpected detours in life yeah so she does that really well and I I was like couldn't put it down you know yeah yeah that that also sounds gripping per chat gpt sounds like another novel you can just really like fall into and be Mm -hmm. consumed by which is really fun yeah and it feels like a good winter read because so this journalist low blacklock lives in london which immediately i'm like cozy (laughs) Uh, it's always raining there (laughs) 
tea <laughs> blanket. Um, and she <laughs> goes on this luxury cruise that goes to the Nordic countries. Mm. Some, I think like, uh, Finland. I don't remember, but it goes, you know, way up North. And so it's like cold and you know, yeah, it's good. So, um, I did like pros and cons for this one too. Again, I loved it, but I would say in all of the books I've read by Ruth Ware, a character dies and I feel like it doesn't, they don't end sadly. Like they've all ended like in a good place that I was very satisfied by. But if you're someone who like can't handle any like character deaths, Mm -hmm. then I think that's a pretty consistent theme in her books. So just, you know, be, you know, proceed with caution or whatever. But I didn't feel like they ended sadly. Um, but there was like an element of that throughout. Yeah. It wasn't like a tragedy. I mean, there are some books out there that people read to make them sad and to make them cry. And that feels like a thing I don't, I personally don't relate to, but I know people love it. And, um, but that feels different than being like, I'm going to read this mystery. And then you get surprised by a horrific or tragic death that you like then carry with you for the, like the week or whatever. Yeah. And that's just always kind of jarring. Yeah. And I feel like with thrillers, that's pretty, you know, you have to go in knowing it's not going to be like a super light the whole time sure. because that's like part of what builds the suspense. But, you know, not every thriller is created equal like some are really dark and upsetting and others are just like more you know mystery and I feel like she has a little bit of the darkness but not so much that it turned me off and I'm really Mm -hmm. not someone who can handle a lot of it so you know yeah remind me of that one author who has written a ton of books I want to say it's Tara something it's oh, like a lot Tara of French yeah. or Tana, Tana, Tana French. French. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like had a really hard like time getting into her book at first because like I only read one, but it, I, I think I quit like halfway through. So I really didn't even read that one, but I couldn't get into the characters very much. But then in addition to that, there was a lot of like really uh, gory kind of tragic things that were happening that I was just like. I don't know. It just seems like a bummer. I'm like, <laughs> I don't yes. even know if I care enough about the characters to see this through. So I quit. <laughs> totally agree. And that's like a good one to compare to because I I have read, I think, two books by Tana French and both I was like really bummed out by. Yeah. And this doesn't feel like that to me. Like they do not end on that note where you're like, well, I wish I hadn't read a single fucking page of that because yeah. now I'm super depressed. Yeah. So yeah. It, they're not like that at all, which yeah. is great. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just not – I don't really read for it to make me sad. Yeah, I don't want to be sad. <laughs> I mean, I might want to be creeped out or like – Titillated. I'm <laughs> – I might want to be made to feel afraid for a little while <laughs> or kept in suspense, but I don't want to feel sad. Yeah. And I don't know, There, there's also a way of writing about very sad things in a way that you can still leave the book and feel okay afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't always have to be like, oh, this book ruined my life, <laughs> you know? Totally. I think part of it just has to do with whether or not they're allowing for any levity at all in the book. Yeah. You know? Or like hopefulness, because I think mm-hmm. that's 
what Ruth Ware does, there's like really harrowing challenges that her characters face. Yeah. And that change them and that like can't be undone. Yeah. You know, so it's not like everything is fixed in the end, but it always ends on a hopeful note Mm -hmm. and things feel resolved. And I feel like, okay, perfect. That's what I need. I was originally going to talk about a different book, but I feel like this is a really good lead in for another one that I wanted to recommend. I can't wait. Okay. So I was going to recommend a nonfiction book that I'll just shout out at the end, but this is another fiction book. And I think it is really uh, related to hope and hopefulness. So this is called Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. Uh, It is by J. Ryan Straddle, and I will read a little bit of the uh, summary on Goodreads. So, Mariel Prager needs a break. Her husband, Ned, is having an identity crisis. Her spunky, beloved restaurant is bleeding money by the day, and her mother, Florence, is stubbornly refusing to leave the church where she's been holed up for more than a week. The Lakeside Supper Club has been in her family for decades, and while Mariel's grandmother embraced the business, seeing it as a saving grace, Florence never took to it. When Mariel inherited the restaurant, skipping Florence, it created a rift between mother and daughter that never quite healed. Ned is also an heir to a chain of home-style diners, and while he hasn't had... And while he doesn't have a head for business, he knows his family's chain could provide a better future than his wife's fading restaurant. In the aftermath of a devastating tragedy, Ned and Mariel lose almost everything they hold dear, and the hard-won victories of each family hang in the balance. With their dreams dashed, can one fractured family find a way to rebuild despite their losses? And will the Lakeside Supper Club be their salvation? First of all, I always want to call it the Lakeshore Supper Club because mm. Lakeshore is a place in Chicago. <laughs> um, n- not what they're referencing. Uh, so I really loved this book because it is very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really a story about a family and a family business, which was relatable to me having come from a family business. Mm-hmm. and how each generation sort of views the family business in a completely different way and mm-hmm. how the first generation that came across it really viewed it as like a saving grace, an oasis, the one thing that will get them to financial stability. The mm-hmm. second generation, who is the mother in this story, who was forced to work in the restaurant all the time, grew up kind of hating it and feeling like it held her back and it was a stagnant place. But then her daughter, who's the grandmother, or I'm sorry, the granddaughter in the story, um, Mm -hmm. comes to find that it's a place of healing and comfort and uh, family. And so Mm. I loved how this novel really holds all of those truths at the same time and how one place or one thing can mean something so different to different generations. Oh, that's so cool. I feel like getting the different perspectives just makes it so much richer and more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when, if I'm the middle child and, oh, you are too, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's like when people describe being the middle child, they just nail it because it's such a unique like experience, just like being the mm-hmm. oldest or the youngest. So I feel like seeing those different perspectives really well um, represented is cool. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, the characters are all very flawed, but relatable and they I think made sense to me in a lot of ways like all of the character choices made sense even when they were exhibiting flaws and yeah I I just really appreciated all of that and I felt like it was very heartfelt there's definitely some extremely sad moments in the novel but I think because of the placement of where they are in the story, it continues on to show the hopefulness of how tragedies in our life can um, lead us to change as people and still live our lives fully after the tragedy mm-hmm. occurs. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I read another book just like last week that was actually set in Seattle. So I really loved it. Oh, fun. Um, It was just like cool to like hear them talking about the different places and be like, oh, I know what that's like. And the the author of the Little Secrets book, her name is Jennifer Hillier. Um, But it was about a family whose, I think he was four or five year old son was kidnapped. And it's like Mm -hmm. fiction, so it's not real. Mm -hmm. But um, Part of the story is the mom attending this support group for um, parents of children who are missing, you know, which is a very specific experience. It's not like your child is dead or you don't know that. And um, they, the author was able to really represent grief and, and the different like experiences of grief in such a, I don't know, potent way. And I loved that like use of the support group to just explore all the different ways people grieve and how, yeah, you know, lives like crumble and still like come back together and things like that. And it was really good. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that reminds me of another book. <laughs> I just do it. Do, Go. Keep doing this. <laughs> um, I read a nonfiction book this year that is called uh, The Country of the Blind by Andrew Leland. And it is so wonderful. It is a memoir about a man who is losing his sight because of a genetic disease. And he explores his own experiences as he is entering this disabled community and Uh, what that looks like for him, but he also delves into the contributions of the blind community and general um, uh, experiences of people who are blind. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that I loved so much about it was how he described the variance in what blind people want out of accommodations and how it's not the same every person is not the same, which seems like an obvious statement, right? But I think when you have a characteristic about you that puts you in a group that is small or like a minority, that that's Mm -hmm. all people come to see about you. And there's always still variance in that group, no matter how small it is. Even if you only have a group of two people, they're still probably going to react to a life event differently. And so I think that um, ability to allow for the variance is really important and interesting to discuss. Yeah. Oh, I love that. 
Um, okay, so we have gone to the end of our sanctioned recommendations. Uh, are there others that you want to shout out or anything uh, else that you want to shout out before we say goodbye until next year? Oh my God, it's so crazy. I was just going to ask you a question, which is what to you makes a book a perfect winter read? Hmm, good question. I I do kind of like it when it's set in a place that has snow. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like I kind of love it when it's snowing outside and mm-hmm. then it's snowing in my novel. Or at least like the characters have to get bundled up or they are, they feel cold. Like, I don't know. There's something about the solidarity of it (laughs) where Mm -hmm. it's like, if I have to be cold, I don't want you to be in a sweltering hot heat. Like that's rude. Honestly, I I take that as offensive. You're bragging. I agree. Like, I know the world will be warm for me again one day, but I can't remember the taste of cream. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I agree. Is there a <laughs> is there a like specific genre you gravitate towards? Cuz I definitely go thriller, but it's more of a like um I want the kind of thriller or m- murder mystery that's like 10 friends went to a cabin in the remote mountains of mm-hmm. Siberia yeah. and one is dead. You know, it's like a locked locked room mystery because they're like yeah, there's yeah. only 10 of them in this remote area or whatever so uh that's what i want and i feel like there's a lot of books that have that exact plot and i'm like bring them on <laughs> i want to know college college friends who hate each other <laughs> friends yeah. who are all fucking each other bachelorette party give it oh, to yeah. me yeah for sure uh, I think you would be a really unique bride to take all of your bridesmaids to Siberia, but what do I know? I mean, <laughs> you do you. Uh, I think Scottish I Highlands, then, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywhere that can be remote and cold. Yes. I don't know if I gravitate towards any specific kind of genre given the season. Okay. I tend to read pretty broadly across genres because I. If I read too much of one thing, I start to get, like, a little bored by it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll, like, make the rounds, you know? Like, I'll yeah. get a mystery in once, one every, like, six books or whatever. I might lean more towards adventure or fantasy or be more open mm. to it in the winter. Yeah. Because okay. I'm, like, indoors and I'm maybe sort of in my hibernation mode yeah and I'm doing less and so I'm like take me somewhere else you know like escapist kind of novels yeah I definitely feel that way with like I haven't watched the the Lord of the Rings in a long time but when I do it's like it's gonna be the fall or the winter baby I'm sorry who is watching that in the spring like (laughs) no 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 not well part of it too is because with those like longer more like long haul reads Mm -hmm. i i want to be outside and doing things in the summer more than so i don't watch as much tv and i do read but it's like let's get through this quick you know Mm -hmm. so i feel like when you have a big fantasy book it's okay in the winter you can commit yeah that's definitely true one of the books (laughs) 
<laughs> just keep recommending books. Um, feel free to just to tell me, no, we're stopping the podcast at literally any time. But I read a really good adventure book this year that was so much fun. And it was called Lucky Red by Claudia Ooh. Cravens. And okay. it is a book about a like scrappy orphan who becomes a sex worker in uh, the western United States at like I don't know let's call it the turn of the century I think it's around the prohibition era so it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of like a historical fiction it's a little bit of an adventure book Um, Mm -hmm. there's like a hot lesbian romance there's just like all kinds of fun stuff happening in this book and it was very immersive and it also happens partially in the winter when it's snowing and I read that mm. this fall, and that felt very much winter vibes. That is super good. I, I'm going to recommend one more, and then I feel like we should shut this shit down. <laughs> no. No! <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this until 2024. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep podcasting through the mirror. Um, I'm looking it up so I can see the author. It's a very famous, oh, yes, of course. Um, it's called The Secret History. Have you read that one? Oh my gosh, I loved The Secret History. Okay. It's by Donna Tartt, for those of you who don't know. It does have, oh my gosh, such winter it's vibes. The what a good Perfect, like dark yes. academia read. Yes. I have not finished it. It is a slower pace for my taste. Yeah. You know, and I'm yeah. a little bored by it, but I know, like, I know it's good and I can sense that it's going to get really good, but I'm just like needing to stick in there a little bit, you know? For sure. It, it definitely is one of those building tensions mm. that mm-hmm. by the time you get to the eventual climax of the book, you're going to be like, like, if something doesn't happen, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to throw yeah. this book into the fire. Totally. Like. Um, but I think she does an incredible job of building the tension in, in ways that are somewhat expected and in ways that aren't. Uh, and then the eventual climax isn't necessarily what you would expect. Um, but it's incredibly well-written, I think, because of the unexpectedness of it. Yeah. Well, and from what I read so far, she's doing a really excellent job of developing the characters and their mm-hmm. like unique quirks so and yeah, yeah, and just like very in depth identities. Like mm-hmm. she talks about their clothes and their mannerisms and their little yeah. like things, and it's really it's very good. You can really picture things. Yeah. Plus, it like really speaks to that. I don't know love I have of like performative school. Let mm-hmm. me explain. I don't want to go back to grad school, but I love the idea of going back to grad school. <laughs> I want people to look at me and perpetually think, she's in grad school, isn't she? Exactly. All I want to do is walk around like a beautiful campus with a stack of books and pushing my glasses up my face, you know? Sure. Yeah. And just like perform school for my whole life. Yeah. And okay. do nothing. Totally. Actually, speaking of school, I'm just going to tell you a little story really quick. Last night, I was having a dream. <laughs> and, you know, busy time at work. It just feels like it keeps coming. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's my last day before I go on vacation. 
And in my dream, I was like realizing that I was in school and I had a bunch of finals this week that I needed to finish that I just like, of course, hadn't known about. And I was like, you never do. You never do. Dream me never writes it down in her calendar. (laughs) Fuck dream me. But I was just like, oh my God, like this week went from like a busy week to being like, I don't know how I'm even going to get through this kind of a week. And then I woke up and I was like, thank God. God, <laughs> I am not in school right now. Like as bad. You're like, as oh my gosh, someone been, fish out my degree so that I can make sure I don't totally. have to go back to school. <laughs> Truly, yeah. I was just like, as bad as work has been, I'm so glad that I am not in school right now. Like it is just a different experience of stress. Mm-hmm. I feel like so. Anyway, yeah, for sure. That's my little <laughs> last wreck. <laughs> yeah, I do love it. It. Uh, I don't know. That book is always reminding me a little bit of Dead Poets Society for maybe mm-hmm. obvious reasons. The plot is not yeah. that dissimilar. It's yeah. it's not similar enough but it's got for like me the to dark be calling academia it out. But yeah, thing. it's got that like, I don't know, academics doing weird stuff vibe. So <laughs> totally. <as they laughs> led do. by a charismatic mm-hmm. professor, you know, yes. that sort of thing, which yes. is always a little yes. bit fun. I think I liked that novel and I only read it once so maybe I should reread it but I I really thought about it for a very long time after I finished it the the, um the secret history yeah and I and sometimes it still comes to mind with like various different things Mm. in media that I watch where I'm like oh this is giving the secret history vibes like I don't know it just captures an essence so well yeah. My friend Libby, who is going to listen to this, so shout out to you, Libs. She <laughs> moved to New York in, I don't know, July or August or something. And she, we were like there while she was moving, that like the last day or something before she left. And she was like, here, take this, take this. Molly, take this book. You'll love it. And <laughs> she was like, have you ever read this? And I was like, no. And she's like, oh my God, you'll love it. It's great. Um, so I've been slowly getting through it. And I started yeah. it this summer and I was like, this is not a summer book. I have got to wait until the fall. Yeah. It's a and then fall I didn't and winter read it in the fall. for sure. It is not a summer. I don't know. Something. It's just mm, not. It was not a summer work. book for me. I mean, no. part of it, it was does too slow in the summer. I haven't gotten to that part yet. It's like, it's because it starts out when the main character gets to the university, like in the fall. In term. the fall. Yeah. And so like starting that part of the book in the summer when it's like work. slow and everything, I was like, fuck no, yeah. I need to be like f- looking at the leaves falling from the trees, pretending I'm in grad school reading this book. Yeah, you know? for sure. Pretending that you're blowing <laughs> off schoolwork to read this. Totally. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your recommendations. Uh, and feel free to tweet at us or comment on our Instagram yes. or send yes. us an email with your recommendations for the year. We would love to hear it. And yes. we look forward to getting back in your ears in 2024. Season four coming 2024. So exciting. Woo. Okay. Well, happy, happy Christmas and winter holidays and happy new year. And we will talk to you later. (laughs) It's like I'm saying goodbye to my mom on the phone. Okay. Okay, Love you. Bye.